I actually had to go to John Lewis in Oxford Street with my uh, survey in, in a paper clip, and I had to nice. tap and I had to tap the shoulders of the moms shopping in the nursery section, asking, "Do you have five <laughs> minutes to fill out the form for me?" Yeah, um, and it was the most nerve-wracking thing for me. From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what were those first crucial steps in getting their businesses up and running. My name's Kieran, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by our next guest, Von Sai, as not only is he an all-round great guy, but he's also a brilliant founder too. He's built up some amazing experiences since launching his business, Nimble Babies, back in 2014. Um, so after 10 years of working as a chemist in one of the world's largest consumer product companies, he decided to take the plunge and start his own child-friendly cleaning products powered by plant-based cleaning products. Since launching his business, Vaughn has seen his products hit the shelves of Ocado, Boots, Sainsbury's and Tesco, and also has made a cameo in Dragon's Den along the way. You're very welcome, Vaughn. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you, Kieran, for uh, for having me. Yeah, it's an honor. Brilliant. Uh, well, can we bring you back to the very beginning, I suppose, Vaughn? Can you kind of tell me what you were doing uh, before starting up Nimble Babies and what brought you to that point in terms of setting up the business? Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so I'm originally from the Philippines. I moved over here to the UK back in 2006. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up working uh, at Unilever for an additional seven years. So I used to work for them uh, in the Philippines for three years. So yeah, I worked in, in Unilever in, in the UK um, as an R&D manager, developing new products for them uh, in, in product categories like detergents and deodorants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, in 2013, I got married. Um, the same time, I also decided to leave Unilever and basically take the plunge because uh, at, yeah. at that yeah. time at that time I was thinking oh gosh you know I, I'm, I'm not getting any younger um, you know <laughs> I, I've, I've had the itch already to like start up my own business for a while um, and it was yeah you know I've just been putting it off for many years you know didn't quite have the the courage to do it um, but then yeah after getting married I thought hmm, okay maybe I should just do it and yeah I'm just very thankful that my wife was very supportive of the whole idea um, so yeah, for for I would say yeah, the first two three years, um, yeah, I was kind of like just benefiting from my wife's hard work. <laughs> um, yeah, while I set up the business. And um, and how did you settle on baby products? Because um, at the time you didn't have any children. What what why why go there? Yeah. So uh, uh, at that time when I was kind of like thinking about you know what business to go into, um, yeah, I was having a chat with my sister. Who has a yeah? Who at that time just gave birth uh, to my first ever niece, um, and yeah, she and you know during that chat, yeah, my sister was telling me, oh Vaughn, you know how do you get rid of this um, milk residues and odors from milk bottles? Um, you know, I'm finding it very uh, very hard to get rid of. Um, you know, it's either I you know it's either she was using a lot of washing up liquid to get rid of mm-hmm. the smell, um, or you know she would end up having like milk bottles smelling of spoiled milk. Yeah, so she was kind of like caught between, you know, uh, two, you know, like, you know, it's either smelling of washing up liquid or smelling up, uh, s- smelling like a washing up liquid. 
So I thought, hmm, okay, that that seems like a, an interesting problem. Are you sure you're you're washing the bottles properly? Yeah. So my my sister said yes, definitely. Um. So yeah. So yeah. Since hearing that problem, you know, I kind of like took it on and you know did a bit of research and you know, just tried to validate if this is just my sister having a problem or, you know, yeah. is it a, a common problem uh, amongst parents? Yeah. So, you know, based on my research, I found out that actually, yeah, um, it's a common problem um, amongst parents. And I thought, okay, maybe I can use my chemistry skills and, and experience in coming up with new products to solve this issue. So, yeah, so that kind of like led, you know, brought me from one thing to another um, but yeah basically that was the birth of our first product which is milk buster the baby bottle cleaner and that's how i ended up being in the baby space and in terms of kind of you you, you get to obviously you identify the problem and you, you you've started to build out the the product milk buster but how do you i suppose engage more customers outside of your own sister like what what were you doing to to get those, that initial traction so to speak yeah, so that that was uh, that was very hard for me because um, yeah, as I've mentioned in the intro, I'm not originally from the Philippines, um, and then yeah, the se- the first seven years of my uh, stay in the UK was based in um, in Liverpool and in Leeds, so I was you know based in the north, and you know after getting married, I actually moved down to to London, because um, my wife uh, was uh, her job was in London, so yeah, I moved down to London. So I didn't mm-hmm. really know a lot of people uh, in London. Um, yeah, so the Northerners are very different from 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 Londoners. Yeah, it was very tough. Yeah, one of the things I've learned um, in my ten years at Unilever is you know to always make sure that your products are answering a consumer need and be able to communicate it in a language that consumers actually use. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a big risk that you know when you're in, when you're developing products for a big company, you kind of like just get lost in 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 the data yeah and mm-hmm. you start speaking of words that you know a normal consumer wouldn't really use yeah yeah so yeah. so for example milk residues yeah for me it's you know it's milk fat and proteins yeah <laughs> and, you know, a, a regular a regular customer wouldn't really use for them it's residue yeah yeah, um, yeah. so yeah it's really identifying the right words here and there and how I kind of like came to these kinds of words uh, really required me to go out and and speak to mums. So yep. yeah, one story I wanted to share is yeah, um, I actually had to go to John Lewis in Oxford Street with my uh, survey in, in a paper clip, and I had to nice, tap nice. and I had to tap the shoulders of the mums shopping in the nursery section, asking, "Do you have five <laughs> minutes to fill out the form for me?" Yeah, um, and it was the most nerve-wracking thing for me, because yeah, um, you know, it's quite random. I, you know, it's it's a guy uh, <laughs> who's not really I from. Did, yeah, from the UK, and yeah, it just yeah felt random. But you know, thankfully the the mums were very helpful. Yeah. And did and were John Lewis cool with it as well? Um, I think they were. Probably the security <laughs> guys were like you know wondering oh, what's this guy doing <laughs> here, just hovering <laughs> hovering around the nursery section for two hours. So yeah, I, yeah, I I wasn't caught. So <laughs> yeah, so oh, that brilliant. that worked well. Okay. And I suppose every gather, so you you've kind of gathered that kind of feedback in John Lewis in Oxford Street. Um, how how did you then start selling it? Uh, where where did you go to start selling your first first product? What did that look like? Yeah, so I launched the first uh, the first time I launched it was back in September 2015. Uh, believe it or not, my first customer was actually my barber. 
Either way, <laughs> always be selling. Uh, yeah, so it was funny because um, yeah, so we you know at that time we also just moved uh, to a to a different place. So it was a new barber that I was uh, having my hair cut in. Um, and then the guy just asked me, oh, what do you do? And then I said, oh, you know, I, you know, I'm just about to launch this, um, this product that cleans baby bottles. And then he said, oh, actually, I have a four month old. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Drinking, uh, drinking from baby bottles. So and then he said, oh, I would like to, to buy your product. So, yeah. So he was my first customer. Yeah. He bought two bottles. For, oh, yeah, brilliant. For, yeah, for five pounds each. So that was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bit of margin. Exactly. Um, and, and then, yeah, after that, um, yeah, it was really bringing the products to people, yeah, knocking on people's doors, um, emailing lots, getting rejected a lot. Um, but yeah, my first ever um, retail customer was a company called Kiddy Care. Mm-hmm. Um, which was quite big, I think, yeah, five years ago. Uh, yeah, I think it's now gone, Kiddie Care. Um, but yeah, they were my first uh, customers and it was through various um, like channels, really. Um, yeah, and, and as an entrepreneur, you just really, you just knock on every door that you can um, and see and see whoever opens the door. Uh, yeah, there's always one who will open the door and that's mm-hmm. already enough. And uh, Yeah, I suppose, how have you found that? element of selling into retail because uh, I know many kind of consumer-based products can find it first challenging to get that door open or say when you're engaging with maybe an Okada or Sainsbury's you may open the door but you may be only be on for a limited time how have you managed to I suppose open the door get on the shelf and then stay on the shelf that's a very good point Kieran because um, opening the door is a very difficult thing but yeah, staying in is, believe it or not, even harder. In terms of like opening the door, yeah, it's really about contacting the right people um, who will mm-hmm. be selling your product. So retailers have uh, what they call buyers. A buyer is assigned to look after a certain category. Yeah, so you can basically just look them up on LinkedIn um, and various um, sources. Um, yeah, just look for, you know, who is the buyer for your category. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I was specifically looking for the baby accessories buyer. So yeah, so once you have that, uh, yeah, it's a matter of really pitching to them the commercial opportunity because uh, the buyers are uh, commercially driven. Um, so great if you have a, mar- a great marketing consumer story that that is really a, you know a plus. But then you know to seal the deal really really is to come up with a a good commercial case for them to really see the the, the opportunity um, because there's a lot of work involved in setting up a new supplier. Yeah, so yep. they need to see that, you know, there's a return for them financially to be able, you know, to, to spend that much effort to, to, to sign you up. So, yeah, after you pitch the both the consumer, oppor- the, the marketing opportunity and the commercial opportunity, hopefully if you've done it well, um, you know, it would be a no-brainer for them to say yes. Um, to what you're offering to them. And then, yeah, hopefully the, the, the response is a yes and, you know, it's good. Um, and once, yeah, once you're in, the, you know, the challenge really, as Kieran said, is, you know, about staying in. And, you know, in yeah. terms of staying in, the, the key metric that you need to look after is what they call the rate of sale. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, how, how many units of your product um, are you selling per week per store? Yeah, yeah, that's usually the 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 main the main KPI for the buyer. So if you are 
not hitting the right rate of sale for them, then you might be up for getting axed in, you know, in six or 12 months time. Yeah. So you need, you need to do anything within your power to, to get that rate of sale. (laughs) Well, I, I I remember my my dad, they used to sell um, this uh, Sudocrim. It's like a, a, a baby product. And, uh, as kids, whenever we would go into any supermarket without fail, he would always go to that aisle and make sure they were presented beautifully and would turn them around and make sure they think, do, do you ever go and, and look at supermarkets and, and check how, how it's all presented? Definitely. Yeah. So this is yeah um, quite embarrassing. Yeah. So every time I go to supermarkets, yeah, I, yeah, I really go to, you know, to, to, to our aisle. Yeah. And again, looking a bit uh, shady, you know, trying to fix <laughs> fix our products sometimes i also give more space for my products yeah <laughs> yeah than intended um yeah you, you just need to do whatever you can within your powers uh to you know you know but yeah. ob- obviously you know, do it properly um not breaking any rules or law <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. all like the fine margins and uh, then i suppose particularly with the with the last year whilst obviously the, the big retailers like um Boots and Sainsbury's have, have remained open. A lot of people's habits have shifted to buying more and more online. How have you found moving nimble products online? Has it been tough? What are the challenges you've, you've, you've faced there? And kind of how, how has that whole experience been for you? It was, uh, yeah, complete. to be completely honest, it was really stressful uh, last year, uh, especially, you know, same time last year when the lockdown was um, just first introduced. All of a sudden, we had a spike in our e-commerce sales and we were not mm-hmm. ready for it. Yeah, we were not ready at all. Yeah, so at any given time during the, the three-month period um, mm-hmm. from April to June, yeah, we were behind in orders, yeah, online. So at some point, the highest backlog we had was 500 orders wow. yeah and, and it was like a ticking time bomb um like every day you know you have to manage um the customers very well um yeah obviously you have to manage internally that you know you, you need to start building uh, stocks um mm-hmm. but yeah the, the the biggest stress point for me was the customers because you know um i didn't want to let them down yeah they were yeah they were buying our products because they felt that our products can help them help them you know make their make their houses cleaner and uh you know and free from bacteria and things like that so i just i you know i felt that responsibility of you know being able to shift the products to them because they really needed them so mm. yeah um and you know to 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 make that happen it was a weekly email communication with all the customers updating Why? them yeah and just being completely transparent with them what yes. is going on you know we you know we do have your orders um yeah but you know please please be patient with us um you yeah. know, we're working yeah. on it you know we're only a team of three um yeah we're yeah. doing our best to to make things happen um so yeah, yeah and most most of the customers were really really kind yeah i would probably say there were only maybe two three percent of the customers who came back you know yes. angry yes. Yeah, yes. but you know, ninety-eight percent of the customers were just like really understanding. So yeah, it was really about being transparent to them mm-hmm. and um, just mm-hmm. giving them an idea on when things are coming. I suppose just touching into the the team aspect there, because obviously you, you launched this as very personal to you. You want you want to see it succeed, but you're you're now kind of seven years into it. You're now starting to to bring a team in uh, underneath you to work together to to build out nimble. 
how have you found it bringing on new people and what are the types of roles and skills you've needed along the way the the hiring process uh yeah, I think it's it's a it's a new skill for me to learn. You know, when I was at Unilever, um, the roles are quite well defined. Yeah, so if I needed someone to do, to help me, then you know I'll look for an assistant manager to you know help me uh, run several projects, um, and then a lot of the roles are already defined. So the 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 challenging part in starting up your own business is yeah defining which roles are are the roles that you actually want to outsource to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it requires a lot of like honesty and proper reflection on you know what are the things that you really enjoy doing as a as a founder and are those things that you enjoy doing value adding yeah um, because if they're not value adding um, then yeah you need to kind of like rethink it um, and you might yeah. want to actually just outsource it to someone so yeah so for me it was very obvious that because we're 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 a products business so we do have a lot of supply chain uh, to manage. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I found myself spending like 90% of my time just, you know, contacting suppliers, making sure deliveries are coming uh, on time, et cetera. And I felt like, you know, doing that was not value adding to the business in the long run. Even mm-hmm. though I enjoy it, I enjoy the buzz of, you know, you know, you know, finally getting all the, the materials in and talking to people. Yeah, I really enjoy that. But eventually I realized that that isn't, you know, what will create the most value for the business. So the, my first hire was an operations manager um, mm-hmm. who could just basically do all the, the, the legwork in terms of like getting materials in, uh, sorting out deliveries, etc. Um, and then after the operations manager, yeah, um, I've just hired, I've hired a marketing manager because I yeah. felt like, okay, and the next thing is, you know, now we have everything sorted from the product side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we then market these things even better? Yeah. Because before yeah. that, it yeah. was me who, who was doing all the marketing and I'm not really good at social media. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, so I, I hired, yeah, a marketing manager who could help us. Yeah. Now I've also hired a sales team um uh, an e-com agency yeah a finance team so yeah we now have about 15 people working um in the business um either in-house or or outsourced you're probably learning along the way as you as you bring some of these new skills and and teams in how have you found kind of obviously we've talked about adapting to a lot of online sales but seeing i suppose maybe the power of paid marketing and what it can generate is is that mean a kind of an interesting kind of learning curve for you yeah, no, definitely. Um, and actually, as a response to to this new big growth in, in e-commerce, yeah, I've actually just hired uh, someone to help us uh, with e-commerce. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, he's an ex-Amazon guy. So, yeah, I, I can now see that things are, are dial- getting dialed up. Yeah, because, yeah, we now have someone who knows um, e-commerce at least more than I do. So that, that's, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. And yeah, my, my, <clears throat> my knowledge of e-commerce is really basic. So yeah, so it, it's been really good to have someone who, who has the right experience for it. And I suppose just turning inward for a second in terms of the, the management of the business, like cash flow, forecasting, growing the business, that side of things. How have you found that as, uh, starting out as a single person entrepreneur in 2014 to, raising finance growing the team keeping the lights on has it been stressful what's worked what's been difficult <laughs> yeah this is really yeah oh yeah you you, you know my story kieran uh, but yeah this is 
Yeah, this is um yeah the yeah I think as a founder it's one of the most stressful things yeah. that uh, yeah. you would be doing. It's about raising uh, money. <clears throat> yeah, so I was quite fortunate that you know in the first two years of the business, you know, my wife was was properly supporting me in the business. So yeah, we were basically using our savings to fund the business. Yeah, that was really good. Um, so for for the first two years, I kind of like had that cushion. Um, but then eventually I realized that, oh, we, I can't just carry on spending my own savings and you know, we'll end up, you know, living in the streets if if I, if I carry on doing this. Um, so, yeah, eventually I, yeah, I just went out again and just started, you know, looking for people who could help me raise money. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought I knew, I thought I knew how to raise money just by watching Dragon's Den. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you ended up on, on Dragon's Den. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't be more wrong. Um, yeah, I couldn't be more wrong. So yeah, I didn't know what pre-money valuation meant. I didn't even know you know what was pre-money. What what are term sheets? What are you know subscription agreements, shareholder agreements? Um, yeah, I didn't know the basics. So yeah, I was very fortunate to you know, you know through all the networking that I've done, I was able to meet a, a lady who really gave me all the basics, taught me the basics. Um, and taught me, Vaughn, yeah, all you need to do is to prepare these three documents, yeah, A, B, and C. Um, yeah, um, once you have these, then you're ready to go out and pitch. Yeah, so I, and pitch, I did. Like, I pitched, like, every <laughs> every week, met a lot of um, investors who I thought will invest. But, yeah, it took me 12 months to basically yeah. get yeah. my first investment um, because, yeah, you just make mistakes. But as you make mistakes, you learn you refine your pitch, etc. Et and then eventually, yeah, I was very lucky to m meet Andrea uh, in one yeah. of these events. And she was the one who also taught me, okay, you know, why don't you do this? And yeah, and actually, it was after my meeting with Andrea that I got my first investment. Yeah, it was uh, through through your introductions. It is, it is a gruesome, awful experience, uh, but worth it sometimes when you get out the other side and, and see see where you are now. Yeah, but then, yeah, I think after the first one, it gets a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. just because you, you already have the experience, you know what the investors look for, you're more prepared, um, and then you already have a pool of investors who can back you up, um, and they would also know other people. So, mm -hmm. it, it yeah, it is becoming, yeah, it's become easier um, but then maybe I think as you carry on raising money um, yeah maybe there will be another you know difficult period depending on the the ticket size well you, you, you're going in the right direction anyway um, one other aspect I'm kind of keen to ask you about because you're obviously talking about constantly managing the business raising money but also bringing on new people selling the product but there's also an element of product development a lot of the time in what you do in terms of you're continually adding to your range and bringing new products out how do you manage to fit that side of the business in and how important is it to keep on innovating yeah so it is really important um uh, yeah so npd i, I think I, I knew this in my head back when i was at unilever that new products is kind of like the the life like, like the lifeblood of, of consumer product businesses. Yeah, I knew it in my head, but then when I started my own, kind of like went into the back burner, to be honest, because, yeah, it requires a lot of resource and money. Prior to launching new products last year, my, my so last year was 2020, yeah, 
before 2020, my last new product launches were in 2018. So yeah, so it was quite long um, for mm. a for a consumer products business to launch new products in you know in two years plus. And when I saw the the impact of the new products in our uh, revenue last year, that's when I realized, oh yeah, I really need to change my attitude towards um, new product development. Now, um, you know, from a practical point of view. Um, you know, what we do as a team is we meet um, every Thursday. We have a time slot, um, an, an hour time slot on Thursday mornings to go through new product development work. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I project I project manage every single uh, uh, NPD that we're doing. It boils down to that basics of, you know, just allocating time to something that is important. Yeah, mm -hmm. so even if it's just one hour a week, um, yeah, it really makes a difference because my team knows that it's being monitored. Yeah. on a weekly yeah. basis so then things are getting done outside of the meetings to push things along yeah so i've used that um that that process last year and that's how we ended up a being able to launch in september um, with just six months preparation to launch three new products and then this june we're launching two new products again yeah um and then in q4 we're launching another two so yeah and that's that's what we've just been doing you know using that one hour time slot each week too that sounds like it's been 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 productive mm. <laughs> i suppose looking back in a way what are I suppose, some of the highlights then over the last seven years uh we, we've touched on all the different aspects of the business but what are the moments that kind of stick out for you oh um okay um maybe my top three would be yeah so getting a patent yeah, was definitely a, a highlight for us. Yeah, because I've worked at Unilever for 10 years, never had the chance to get the patent at all. Um, and then it was only, you know, through my, uh, yeah, through my own invention um, that, you know, I was able to get a, a patent uh, granted here in the UK and right. in Europe. And we have a patent pending in, in China and in the US. Um, so, yeah, so that's definitely one highlight. Um, and then secondly, um, you know, getting into Sainsbury's um, was yeah. a, a yeah. massive highlight for us. Um, so, yeah, um, we got in in January 2020, just before um, the pandemic. Good timing. Yeah, very good timing indeed. Um, so, yeah, I was like, this is a dream come true because uh, actually yeah, another story. Yeah, when, when I was just uh, setting up the business, there was a big Sainsbury's near um, uh, our home. So I used to go to Sainsbury's to that shop and bring my own prototypes and mock it up on their shelves. Yeah, and take Amazing. pictures just, yeah, just to see and how again, it looks on the shelf. Security <laughs> delighted with it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was never noticed. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, and to to get that um, listing with Sainsbury's last year in 375 stores, I was like, oh wow, this was just a dream like five years ago, and then now it's really happening. It was a lot of hard work um, to get in. Yeah, so yeah, that's definitely one one big highlight. Um, and then for me, I think from a personal perspective, as a yeah, as a person and maybe as a founder, you know, going into Dragon's Den was a huge thing for me. I would say this is more like a hindsight kind of thing mm -hmm. rather than you know when I was in the thick of things, because um, it was after Dragon's Den that I just really had a lot of confidence about the business and about me pitching to to people that I don't know. Because I thought, okay, you know, if I could get three dragons to say yes to Nimble. And, yeah. you know, and offer to invest in Nimble, then I think I can probably, you know, get a lot of people, you know, back me up. It was a, such a huge confidence boost for me. 
um, and I felt like you know I've grown as an individual and as a founder after after that. Well, I can't think of any better way to to finish it off just there, uh, Vaughn. There's no doubt that you're uh, an unbelievable uh, founder and so hardworking and and humble as well. So it's, it's just an absolute pleasure to get you on here and chat. And I just couldn't wish it any more luck with Nimble and hope every shelf possible in the United Kingdom has some of your products on on it over the next couple of years. But thanks again for, for coming on, Vaughn. Bon. Oh, thank you, Kieran. Yeah, my pleasure. And yeah, thank you for this invitation.